podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. <laughs> Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave once again here on a Friday. Uh, well, I don't know. It's February 10th. It's moving right along through the short month of Friday. Don't forget uh, February. Don't forget February is a short month now. And uh, we are here in the Mellon Law Studio, protected by crime prevention 24-7, 365, and sponsored by all those fine folks uh, you see scrolling by the screen. And also um, um, see at the half hour when we do the weather. So um, today's show is um, titled... DEI, and I suppose by now uh, you know what DEI stands for, of course. Uh, if you don't, you, you're going to miss a quiz question that should be a gimme here as a student in the class. Um, DEI, first quiz question, and the first couple of answers that you make might be wrong. DEI is what? It is, of course, uh, a diversity, equity, and inclusion. Illusion. So many of you told, have told me you like the way I say that. Um, I apologize. I apologize that the devil makes me do it, you know, uh, do it that way. But um, I mean, that's the way it kind of seems to me to be sort of um, uh, weird, you know, that people would uh, uh, bring, and you know, focus on this so much. So today uh, we're going to uh, take a little closer look at it because it's um uh, you know, it's still driving a lot of the political sideshow in the nation and locally, too. Um, first of all, uh, we got the open line, call in line open. And um, we expect uh, maybe for some people to uh, call in on this subject because it is uh, obviously a local subject as well as a statewide subject, as well as a national subject. Uh, the Logical Chronicle today has a very good investigative report our partner, if you will, and getting the truth out to you um, uh, about um, how embedded in the University of Florida, the notion of systemic racism is, how it's been taught, how it's been jammed into every part of the university. I think we were probably the first ones to notice this when we had a leak from of all places, the dance department, um, a couple several years back. Uh, we have those emails posted course, on the uh, website, uh, Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. And we've uh, called your attention to them a couple of times. And we even have the email uh, conversations there with people in the university uh, world who were being told to get with the program, or maybe you won't be here with us very much longer. So uh, this is a uh, infesting, if you will, uh, much of our communities, uh, and it's being the people who have been put in charge of this, diversity, equity, and inclusion, are getting incredible salaries. Um, Six-figure salaries just is a a run-of-the-mill. We're not talking about barely six figures. 
We're talking about on up there uh, as if this were a really important administrative job. It's always been curious to me. I was uh, in the education world 40 years or so. Um, how much dead weight there can be added to an administrative staff? Um, you know, it's, it, it is, can become, uh, well, it is two worlds. I, I can just tell you that right now. The faculty world and the administrative world are uh, two different uh, um, worlds completely. And um, for a number of reasons, they're structured differently. They do different things. They're, they're paid differently. Uh, but it's almost impossible for the faculty to make what the administration makes. And um, this goes for, for something especially now being focused on. Maybe I can get a screen of myself or on my, on my uh, computer that I don't have right now, but for some reason. Um, the the uh, um, world has been corrupted there uh, by this di- diversity, equity, inclusion in, in terms of finances and in terms of money. So um, what what people are, are being paid to do it. Now, uh, we have a, a local fellow here who I've reported on, um, um, a young man whom I, I, I know. He was uh, following me as the um, um, the... At one point, he followed me as a city manager of Archer. Uh, having talked with him about Archer, you know, he f- flunked Archer. I mean, it's easy to flunk managing Archer. Um, yours truly did not. Um, I shaped the place up as much as I could while I was there. But this young man, if I remember in our private conversations, and I won't get into the details of them, I found that, you know, efforts there were futile to straighten out the mess. I don't know how Archer's doing now. Hopefully it's doing well. That's a lovely little town uh, in terms of it's a bedroom community, really, of the university. You're just a few moments down the road from the teaching hospitals and all that business. So it's possible to um, have a rural kind of life and just uh, motor right down um, the Archer Road there and uh, be, be in the big, big city of Gainesville and working at, you know, one of the primary employers, uh, the VA or Shands or something of that nature or the university. So there are quite a few people who do that. Um, the governance of it has been problematic for many years, and uh, it probably doesn't have enough money to be a town. Its only source of money when I was there was uh, whatever they could glean from um, the the um, um, water meters. And the problem with the water meters is uh, they leaked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they <laughs> uh, they they uh, they. Uh, uh, um, we, you know, we couldn't. Act, if let me put it this way: if somebody came in and protested his or her, well, today I'm supposed to say there. See, I can't use a singular pronoun. Uh, uh, it just bits from the bustling metropolis of Otter Creek. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, if somebody came in and protested their water meter, even though it's a, might have been a he or a she, uh, we really couldn't tell them to ante up because the water meters weren't accurate. It was the only source of water, uh, water meter, water was the only source of money uh, primarily that uh, city had. So one of the things I did before I got out of there was try to get a grant to correct all the water meters, because then at least you could have them ante up what they owed and you could calculate accurately what they owed. That's just one of the small stories. Uh, Jared, please give me a picture of myself on the screen here. Would you please, sir? Uh, talking talking here to uh, uh, my good friends in production. Um, the, uh, 
<laughs> Thank you, sir. Coming up, I believe it's blank right now, but it'll be coming up. The um, there's a young man named Zariah. I think his last name's Foster. I think that's who he is. And he's uh, he is. I don't know how he got the job, other than the fact the fellow is a minority, black fellow, um, um, young young man, relatively speaking. I have a blank screen now, Jared, on my computer. But um, anyway, <laughs> um, he's got the job of the, the, the head of a diversity, equity, and inclusion in the Gainesville city government. And <laughs> in the Gainesville city government, you know, if you get that kind of job, uh, you get paid pretty well. And the odd thing about it is, from checking into this, the limited amount I've done, um, he really has a pretty good staff. I mean, on top of that, he's being paid the six figures, a handsome six figures. Um, he's also got a pretty good staff. I don't know what the exact number is, but it's it's a, it's a significant number. And apparently he's gotten crossways in the road with somebody over there and somebody has issued a complaint about abuse and all that. It doesn't take much uh, to trigger that. Uh, and it's very difficult to uh, insulate yourself from because it's uh, rather a vague kind of a uh, um, um, an accusation. You know, it's, uh, you know, once it's made, it's sort of there for you to climb out from under whether it has any validity or not, and that's not always easy to do. But what's interesting is I don't know the racial composition of the staff, but I do know that he is, of course, a minority, and he's in charge of this diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, uh, this whole uh, fantasy, of fantasy, it really is kind of a fantasy, but obsession, as I say, is sweeping the nation, and... Um, uh, there are even conversations about reparations, which I'll get into in a little bit. Um, the other really significant story that I found very interesting, and once again, our good friends over at Delatro Chronicle, uh, we advertise there, they advertise with us, um, uh, talk about one of the canine handlers uh, resigning from the GPD canine force. I've done some checking into this, and I can tell you, uh, what the word is in the law enforcement community. You know, law, the LEO, as we call it, law enforcement organization, is a, is, is a kind of an organization that has a code, you know, um, and you sort of saw it, uh, unfortunately, in the Memphis situation where uh, those guys all were sort of covering for each other when they beat up the young guy who um, didn't understand why he was stopped. Turns out, apparently, he was stopped for reckless driving, but he wasn't given a polite heave-ho out of the vehicle. He was yanked. Um, when that happened, as you know, um, there was a kind of a, uh, I got your back, you got my back thing going on there with those uh, cops, which is really uh, indicative of the, the code. Um, we used to have it in football. Uh, what goes on on this field stays on this field. Uh, we were a culture. We were a violent culture. Uh, we were training ourselves to be violent. Um, and the way you do that is you participate in violence. And if somebody from the public were to come by and see that, they might be horrified. Or if you were to talk about it once you left the field, they might be horrified. So we had a code. Uh, what goes on on this field stays on this field. Uh, right now, uh, the clubs like quarterback club and these clubs, touchback cl touchdown clubs and things, if the head coach is coming, to talk to him, my God, you've got more security than, than, than you would think if the President of the United States were coming. I remember one time 
at the country club years ago when the owner of the Jaguars was coming to talk to the, to the club there. And my golly, I looked up. I thought it was the president arriving. There was security. There were string of cars. It was the owner of the Jaguars. And, you know, the security ringed the place. I don't know what was going to be stolen, uh, but that's the way it went down. And so uh, we have this kind of uh, uh, of situation with the code. And, and this young man who just couldn't take it anymore and expresses it very clearly in his resignation letter, which uh, Cabrera and, uh, published in Chronicle, uh, just could not take it and resign. It's a very well-written letter. Um, you, have, you have to look at one point in it uh, where he says that Lonnie Scott, who's the chief, now the chief has been hired by the diversity, equity, inclusion uh, fanatics because he'll march to their tomb. He'll, he'll uh, do their bidding. He won't challenge them. See, the, basically, uh, the liberal cities and uh, mothers and fathers or uh, commissions, uh, county and city, don't like the sheriff because the sheriff doesn't march to their tune because he's independently elected. But they appoint the chief, Lonnie Scott, so he's got to march to the tune. And then they've got an ex-chief, once again, mysteriously, which is drawing six figures, and nobody has been able to tell me what the guy does. So uh, there you are. I mean, it's 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 a call. And here, here's a city that is getting downgraded in a financial rating all the time, and is still dishing out six figure salaries to people whose job descriptions defy uh, reason. Um, so this young man who resigned from the canine. My research and talking to my buddies say he has had it as far as getting promotions in the law enforcement world. Uh, he'll be, on, be put on night duty. Uh, he'll get the dregs. Um, this will be his punishment for going public with telling on everybody. And what he basically said in there that I thought was most interesting, he said that Lonnie Scott, who marches to the drummer of the DEI, uh, supported him privately, but publicly gave him no support. Now, to me, when I read the letter, that was the most important detail in the whole letter. Um, that, that, that really is the one that let the cat out of the bag, so to speak, that's going to bring down uh, the wrath of the code. Uh, it didn't stay on the field. What goes on on the field stays on the field. You don't go in there and tell the public that your chief wouldn't support you publicly, but supported you privately. Uh, that will get you night duty um, uh, uh, on the worst part of town alone, that sort of thing. That's what the cops are telling me. That's what's in store for this young man. So uh, the violation of the code took a lot of courage. And, and here, here, is the, here is the thing. I have been told, I'm just going to say this. I've not seen it myself, but I have been told on very good sources. And I'm just going to say, I have not seen it myself. But sources tell me who have seen the picture of the, 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 the man who lost his eye, supposedly to a, the dog actually lost it to a stick on the hedge that he poked his eye on. Um, that is what I have been told by very good sources. 
Now, that obviously hasn't been presented to the public. Why? You have to ask the question, why? Or has the question even been addressed? Has the, I have not heard anybody from the code, that is the law enforcement world, or the city commission of the DEI world, they're all the same, come forth and say, people have been asking us if this were the case, if he actually lost his eye on the hedge stick uh, when he ran into the hedges. Uh, we can tell you no. Or we can tell you what? The truth. Now, one of the things I've, I've learned from doing what I'm doing in this community, and I'm not going to say this is a case of this because I haven't seen the picture myself when I've talked to very good sources. There are more cover-ups in this community than, than you can imagine. And, and I, I never would have dreamt there were that many. And, and, and what kind of cover-ups you, you have a right to ask? Well, things that would embarrass the status quo. Uh, the, the, the acceptable narrative. You know, we've been taken down by YouTube. Obviously, YouTube is trying to cover up my voice, right? The Word Scott files, trying to cover it up. See, why? All I'm doing is asking questions. I'm asking a question. Why is it that diversity, equity, and inclusion has budgeted for its officers and various components so much money, and why does it have so many staffs, employees, staff employees, and why is it everywhere throughout the university, throughout the, the city, throughout the, the cops? What is, what is happening with this country that has gone down this road? You know, it's, it's, it's not reasonable. It's not sensible. It's not fair to other people in uh, the employee of the government who actually have meaningful work to do, if you can find that. Um, the budget is the big one, and they can't even find the paperwork to evaluate the budget at GPD. I mean, at the Gainesville City of Gainesville. So, and they're always hammering the sheriffs because the county commissions are, because they can't micromanage the sheriff's budgets. And so they have been at war with the sheriffs ever since I can remember in one form or another. They always find a different excuse. Uh, sometimes the sheriffs have had to go to Tallahassee uh, to get the governor to intervene to override the county uh, to say, yeah, you have the authority, sheriff, to do the budget. Uh, as long as I can remember, this has been, uh, uh, you know, an argumentative relationship. Um, and, 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 and sister, generally, I can tell you this from having managed commissioners, they don't know much, Okay. As a city manager, you manage commissioners. They don't know much. They they come into office on usually a single issue, which they uh, trigger in, the, in some base they have. A lot of the people stay home. So the single issue candidate who's not very well versed on a whole government model and what's going on gets elected. Then that person comes up there and only operates from that body of knowledge and is clueless about everything else. I mean, it's, and so what you do as a commission, as a, as a manager, you spend a lot of time uh, trying to, to make these people kind of meaningful without letting them know what you're doing. Because if they think 
you're running them, they'll fire you. So you have to make them think you're helping them. Then they keep you. So that's the art of being anybody who wants to be crazy enough to be a, a city or county manager. That's the way it works. Um, we have the open line here. Uh, if you want to call in, call in on this. Uh, if not, I'm going to move on. Um, and uh, um, the the uh, let's put the number up on the screen. I don't. Would you please, uh, production? I don't see the number here on the chat screen. Uh, in case the people have forgotten it, please put it up. When I see it come up, I'll know that people have it. They don't keep it in their head, you know. Um, um, let me see if it pops up here. I'm a little bit behind you all. Um, it's not the number, the 352-325 number. That is not the number. That number is a text line. Do not use that number. Uh, hopefully, we'll put the actual 702 number up here. Uh, it should have been up already. I don't see it. Um, it um, okay, I don't want to do dead air. Okay. Um, let me talk a little bit about the schools um, that have also got the DEI in them. Um, the diversity, equity, inclusion. I think you know that this has become a battleground issue. Uh, don't see the number yet in the chat line. Uh, maybe I'll have to put it up there myself. Let me see. I, I haven't got time to do that. Um, the uh, the schools, of course, have become a battleground, as I've said quite a while ago, for this issue. And, uh, of course, uh, our uh, governor has waited in on it and is going to um, make an issue out of it, and rightfully so. Uh, as I said a while back, if you're going to call call it critical thinking and ramp up critical thinking, well, that that's applaudable. That's that's very much uh, uh, what you should be doing. Um, uh, if you don't do uh, a, a critical thinking, um, then then you're really you're really. Uh, um, I'm going to take time out myself and get the call in number if you can, please. Hang on with me. Um, I don't know why it's not popping up there, but. Ask for it too. Okay, the number is three five two seven zero seven nine one zero one three five two seven zero seven nine one zero one. You'll have to hear it in my voice. I don't see it on the screen. Okay. Um, so if you want to call in on that, I know there's somebody wanting to call in. He said he had the number, but he hasn't called in. And uh, if he doesn't call in a little bit, I'll have to move on. Okay. In the schools also, we know this is a big issue. And it has really been unfortunate uh, the way it's been presented because it's not the best way to approach this subject, even according to the uh, black folks who who know what is all, uh, what who have, who have good educations who um, uh, want the best education for so-called minorities. Um, the good news, uh, Jason Riley, of course, you know that I really respect Jason Riley. And um, um, he's, got a, he's got in his latest article, um, the, the, the worst thing that can be going on right now with black, with education is um, um, the um, way it's been presented, and this is what DeSantis is fighting, the way it's been presented is that uh, uh, the way African-American studies have been presented up until DeSantis' participation is to offer a course that is 
according to Jason Riley, who is black himself, an exercise in racial racial pandering. Now, I think diversity, equity, inclusion is an exercise in racial pandering. You know, why do you need a separate organization, you know, highly paid to do what? To include is go get the job and do the best you can in it and stop calling attention to yourself in a negative way. So the college board's primary concern, because they bought into this, has been that blacks are underrepresented among high school students who receive college credit AP courses. But so what did they do in the, in the colleges and universities? Uh, they lowered standards for submission. This is Jason Riley writing this. They lowered standards for sub- admission. They lowered the standards for grading, therefore, and therefore for graduation. Now, it's no secret. I mean, I was in education. I saw this. If you lower standards for admission, you lower, therefore, standards for grading. Now, the way we worked around that at Santa Fe College, we took everybody. But you couldn't get into my course if on the first day when I ran a diagnostic test, I then referred you back to the learning lab. And you stayed in the learning lab until you get your skills up. And we offered a free learning lab. We, we, we uh, gave you a, a free learning lab. You could go to as much as you wanted to. And when you had your skills up, you could apply back into my course. Now, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of these teachers wouldn't apply the standards because, you guessed it, they were liberals. They were liberals. Got a caller here. Yes, sir. Who is this, my man? Zoom call. Who is this calling? This is Armando. This is Armando. Oh, okay, Armando. What's up, buddy? Well, I was calling in. I I hear you're talking about college, but I was actually calling in regarding the debacle going on with uh, Zariah Folston. Thank you. I was just talking about that at the beginning of the show. I I know the young man. I'm not up on what's going on in that department over there, which I think is overstaffed and overpaid. Uh, Mondo Mondo is one of our real uh, engaged uh, um, people here in this community. So uh, uh, and and being a minority himself, he has, uh, uh, you know, his his credentials. So I'm going to listen to what you've got to say about this, Ramondo. So no Zariah, I also know Zariah very well. Zariah used to be the city manager of Archer, let go, then went to Palaka, was let go after five months. Um, but Zariah is very loyal to Harvey Ward. Harvey Ward wanted him in that permanent position before everybody else. He wanted him permanent. He is very, very loyal to Harvey Ward and nobody else. Uh, and maybe secondly, Reina Sacco. But Zariah, who has never been, never completed an investigation, done an investigation, is not qualified to be the equity inclusion director um, to do investigatory work. He just doesn't simply have those skill sets, but yet they want to pay him. Harvey Ward wanted to pay him and strong arm the commission, $218,000 a year, which was significant, um, nearly 47% more than Tanisha Marshall, who actually did that work. Uh, Tanisha Marshall was a U.S. Army veteran, combat veteran, did that work, did that work in the military. So she was eminently qualified to do that work. And she wasn't making that much. And then you had Raina Sacco, who is like the George Santos of the Gainesville City Commission and far, probably far worse, was now all of a sudden she loves the blacks. She loves us. 
and she wanted <laughs> to pay him that money, but she didn't want to pay Tanisha Marshall last year or even O Michelle. So I just find it interesting that you have the there's a book out ward called Nice Racism, and it's about progressive whites how they perpetuate uh, racial harm on black people. And it's an interesting book written by a Caucasian woman, but I find it really interesting. The epitome in that book is Gainesville. Really? And Zariah, yes, uh, it's not, it, I, I'm not, I'm not meaning literally, but when you read oh. the book, you see Gainesville throughout that book. I not literally, but figuratively. But, but Zariah is the epitome of a, a black person that wants to be validated, loves him some Harvey Ward. When when Harvey tells him to do something, jump, he says, how high, Harvey? He follows Harvey. It's like the plantation mindset. He will follow his, his Harvey. Wherever Harvey tells him to go, he goes. He does it, he does it. Well, you mentioned it's, something. It's Amanda, a... Amanda, you mentioned something mm-hmm. curious about, you said investigations. What kind of investigations deserve and by the way, is it 60 staff? I mean, I saw a number. I don't know. What, how big a staff is, is Zoraya got? Do you no, know? I think they have like, I think they have six people. I don't think it's, it's okay. 60. Probably a typo. But, what okay, they, but there is a 78. What do um, if, if there's, empl- if employees file a complaint of a toxic work environment or they've been harassed or whatever, that's what they investigate within the now, city. He's within had the that city file on him. He's had that file on him, has he not? Correct. 78 to 90 pages by, guess what, every member of his office. And now there's a federal lawsuit against Zariah. Right now. Do you know who filed that? Uh, Sylvia Warren in his office filed it. Is that a black lady? And there was, and yesterday, yep, it's a black woman. Because Zariah came in there and said, there's too many black people in this office. Zariah said that. And, And that woman was there before him. And she was actually the interim, and she's actually qualified to do that job. The other thing that's interesting is Diane Wilson, who was in the finance department, had her her lawsuits on the agenda next week. It's on the consent agenda. The city just settled a $95,000 lawsuit proving that there was a a retaliatory environment and a a toxic work environment when Lee Feldman was there, and it still continues to this day. And Ward, you've been a city manager. What? Go ahead. That, that that won't make the Gainesville sunset. I'm pretty sure, Armando. I don't think we'll read that anywhere. No, because Andrew no. Andrew Kaplan is supposedly leaving the Sun and going to work for the city. At least according to Harvey Ward, he's been putting that out all over City Hall. Andrew's coming to work for us. Andrew's coming to work for us. Oh my golly! Oh my golly! We're talking to Armando Grundy, who's been okay. engaged in a lot of different things over the years here in town, in the city of Gainesville, and uh, is a minority himself, and uh, actually. Pays attention to the Ward Scott files, which I applaud him for. And um, he's welcome to call in and talk whenever he has something on his mind. And today he's talking about I, some irony, really, that in a in a, D, a diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, the, the the leader of it's being accused of the very thing that he's there to investigate. Is that true? <laughs> that, that is accurate. I had a question for you. You were a city manager. Matter of yes. fact, city manager of Archer. Yes, sir. Let, what city manager do you know the size of the city of Gainesville deserves to be paid three hundred thousand dollars award? Well, and you and I are both in that field. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You know what the biggest irony about that? You're talking about the city of Gainesville, of course. I know, uh, and that's not. Let me ask you before I answer this question. I've asked everybody this a question, and I know you've got your ear to the ground out there quite a bit. What, pray tell me? Does Tony Jones do, and how much is Tony Jones paid to do it? 
Well, I'll, I'll answer that question. Tony Jones is living high on the hog. He's living, he has free housing at Lincoln Middle School provided by you and I, the taxpayers. Tony Jones is the greatest grifter in city government. And, and, and people will say, oh, but he's police and he gets away with it. Tony Jones is no longer the police chief, but he's been living in Lincoln Middle School for over 20 years. So you would think that's well over a million dollars of housing paid for <laughs> by you and I when he makes over $200,000 a year and has for quite some time and can afford his own house. But well, we're paying for it still. He's making, he's making 200000 now, I think. And I don't know what he does. Have you found the job description? 218000 Yeah. I guess he's still continuing to run the Rikert house that's not doesn't have financial controls. I don't know. Amazing. So I'm, I'm still I'm still trying to figure out what Lonnie Scott's doing. Well, yeah, so I'm, we totaled up the salaries. Uh, I don't imagine you've ever done this. But I'm kind of doing it in my head. But really, mm-hmm. easily over a million bucks for four or five people, right? Yeah. I mean, city manager Tony Jones. We can't figure out what he does. Lonnie Scott. We know what he says he's doing, but he only does what the commission says he can do. And then you've got Zola. and not only that. Yeah. Look at the underlings before that award. Look at all the people that have been moved up into positions that aren't qualified on the fourth floor. They're now called special advisors. You had brilliant people up there that were let go, like Deborah Bowie was brilliant. Brilliant person. Worked in worked did her job, was very competent. Um, but these people it's a big shell game. They say, Yes, we we cut a lot of it, but but now we're giving exorbitant salaries. I mean it's it's absurd. Well, what do you think we can do about it? People always want to know that. They ask me. I say, well, you could vote well, them out. Everybody said, but you can't vote them out. It seems. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I disagree. I think, I think Harvey Ward is the most woke mayor in Florida. He's anti-Florida. He's anti-United States. And, you know, I, I think it's time to go. Harvey Ward is woke. Very woke and anti-Florida, and 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 the communist commissioner Seiko, uh, and he are a lot or a team. You we say? don't just. Dis- well, she told uh, she, so. So she's like the George Santos, and here's why: she told everybody who she came over here and she was put into a concentration camp in the early '90s when George H. W. Bush was president. She said this on the trail. I have it on video. Um, I don't know what concentration camps existed in the nineties. That's news to me, but she came over here from Cuba by going to Guantanamo Bay, not like other Cubans. She and her family went to Guantanamo Bay and then got shipped somewhere. So her, her story of woe is me. Get out of here. She tells so many stories. She lied on Ed book and said that he was talking about black officers need remedial training when he made a familial joke about he and Lonnie Scott because they work together. She's ex- she just can't get her stories together. She's worse than George Santos. Well, she's in office, and she did take herself out for a month after she gave the International Fighters pilot salute to her uh, people. She was walking past by <laughs> going into the office. And then called. She also shoved Cynthia Chestnut, who's a senior. She shoved her, and then she also called she her. See her. you she next Tuesday, her? and I'll let you. She actually shoved her. Yes, she did. She also called her a see you next Tuesday, and I'll let you put the acronym together. The letter C, the letter U, oh, the letter my. N, and then You're I'll let you finish me. You're kidding me. No, I'm not. She also, she also called Gail Johnson a man. She said, I've never been mansplained to by uh, a person who looks like a man. She said this on video. She said she's had 
she told Nathan Scott that she, she, if he had a problem, she was going to change her tampon. She told people she's had urinary tract infections. This woman is disgusting. God and it's not almighty. because she's a woman. She's just a disgusting human being. She's a horrible person. <laughs> and she's a liar. Wow. And, she's a, and she happens to be an officer of the court. She's a lawyer. And this woman is not competent and not, should not be there. I don't know why that person is there. I think she went to University of Florida Law School, didn't she? Yes, and then, and then it went and studied Russian studies at the University of Michigan. It studied oh, really? there, up there to study Russian. Yes. Really? So I guess it loves Putin. Yes, it did. It studied <laughs> Russian studies. Well, you're certainly up on a lot of things, I tell you. It's a very interesting talking to you. We're going to have a break coming up. Anything else you want to add before we take a break there? No, Ward, I just I appreciate you being objective and covering um, some of these horrible people. And I, uh, they are destructive to what they're doing, and they need to go. And I hope DeSantis and I hope Chuck Clemens and uh, Keith Perry get their act together and start getting involved in this instead of playing games. Well, thank you very much for calling in, Armando. And, uh, thank um, you, Ward. Okay, buddy. Armando Grundy, who is very Bye-bye much in now. the community, is uh, – uh, you know, kind of knows where it is and is a minority himself. So he's not bashful about uh, calling out the ones he feels are not really living up to uh, the best standards of ethics and uh, all the above. We're going to take a break here for we're a little bit over our break. We're going to take a break for our weather and be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Uh, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. 
Hi, boy. No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files and, and uh, Lewis Oil Weather Report. I tell you what, uh, great supporter. We, we appreciate all our sponsors, Shoot GTR, R&R Construction, Style Cuts, uh, on-the-spot cleaners. Uh, we have the call-in studio number up there in the upper left hand if you see it. Uh, the text line number is something I don't access anymore. We're going to take, uh, probably we're going to try to replace that number with the call-in studio number uh, at some point. Uh, we're always trying to keep you, uh, the best, get you the best product we can get you. And we support, uh, we appreciate all the people who donate to us and support us. A uh, big shout out as always to Plantation Mark. If the uh, uh, sound of my voice is sharper now, is do the upgrade of the microphone, um, uh, which was uh, made possible by a contribution by um, a good buddy, Plantation Mark. So we finally call him Plantation Mark and his wife, Margaret, and his whole family, who have always been a very a good buddies of the Ward Scott Files. Um, 68 degrees right now in our neck of the woods here, as we say, in Piney Woods in north central Florida. Um, but we're probably going to get a little storms, a few storms rolling through. Uh, maybe uh, we'll miss the be- worst part of it. Uh, up in the part, this weather's going to come through from sweeping up off, off the Gulf and then being pushed uh, 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 to the east by the prevailing winds there. And it could bring a lot of snow to, to some parts of the uh, uh, southeast farther up uh, than we are, of course, just north of uh, uh, and up in the South Carolina, Virginia area. Um, an interesting tidbit on the weather that I ran across is that uh, the sun, which we all take for granted, had an enormous flare uh, evidently yesterday, and it spun off part of its flame into the whatever is around the sun, into the blackness. And it alarmed the observers of the sun who professionally observe it. Uh, we take that darn sun for granted. And... Um, uh, they they noticed it, and those type of things affect a lot of things here on Earth, which um, aren't necessarily uh, realized right away. So I just thought I'd pass it along to you. I don't have any idea in my level of thinking what that means, but uh, uh, a, a piece of the actual flame uh, spun off from the sun. So uh, there you go. Uh, hopefully that keeps burning for a while. Well, we were talking about, of course, before we had a call in, and our call in line number is still there. If you want to call in, call in. We'll we'll chat with you uh, about Jason Riley's column. Uh, he's antithetical to all this diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff. Uh, he thinks it really ends up downgrading uh, minorities rather than helping them. He's all for meritocracy, and that's a that's almost heresy in the black community. Uh, the very bright Guys like Thomas Sowell and and Jason Riley, uh, people like this, uh, they don't want any of this lowered standards. They want standards higher because um, they know that once the standards are lower, uh, then you lower the standards for grading and graduation. But this has long become a political expediency to uh, to to advance an ideological uh, um, uh, uh, attitude held by the liberal left and. It's become an obsession over a school's racial mix. And Riley says that that obsession 
is misplaced. And yet it is one of the favorites of the political left. They use it to explain the so-called achievement gap. Um, but the responsible uh, social scientists like David Armour and Christine Rozelle, uh, they've studied this and they say there's not a single example in published literature of a comprehensive racial balance plan that has improved black achievement or that has reduced the black-white achievement gap significantly. You know, this was the whole thing about busing. Now, you, can you imagine how disruptive busing is? To achieve what? To achieve what? A, a, a uh, racial balance? You know, and the worst thing, if you go back to the day it actually happened, and I talk to a lot of black folks about it, but we all agree about this, the application of this racial balance plan by the government uh, done under uh, the Johnsons and the Kennedys and those occurred right in the middle of the school year. Bam! Right in the middle of activities. Bam! That was it for Lincoln High. It was done. You know? I was stupid. Couldn't they have waited until the end of the year if they're going to try to do this stuff? And what's now become clear, and this is 60 years later, okay? 60 years later, that the academic culture of the school matters much, much more than the racial balance or uh, uh, racial ratio, black-white ratio matters. It's the academic culture. And the best public schools in the country right now, according to Jason Riley, are charter schools. And many of the charter schools that he references are full of low-income Black students, and they outperform wealthier white peers on the standardized tests because the black families have given up on the public schools, just like a lot of the white families have, and they've decided we're going to go to charter schools. And when these vouchers get fully involved, installed, the public schools are just going to become uh, ghettos. I mean, there's not going to be anything else there. Uh, oh, I suppose there'll be big sports schools. But uh, the charter schools uh, are purposely, the ones that uh, Jason Riley is talking about, are purposely located in poor minority neighborhoods. But yet the civil rights organizations criticize them. And yet school choice pulls off the charts among black parents who want the best for their children. Um, this is the same kind of attack that's been made on gifted and talented programs for elitism. See, now elitism has been replaced, meritocracy and elitism have been replaced with a diversity, equity, and inclusion. Equity is flattens out everybody. It takes the top and brings it down so that there's no glaring difference between the middle or the low and the top, because that would be embarrassing. And we had an example of that, where recently a young man was not reported for his merit scores because at the high school he went to, had he been reported, he would have made the other students look bad. Um, so racial parity, according to Jason Riley, has been deemed wrongly more important than maintaining high standards. Um, this is become, as he says, 
a war on standards is part of the larger war on meritocracy. And I will submit to you that that war is being conducted against meritocracy by these departments of diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's not anything much else you can conclude if you're a fair and objective thinker. Now, this has become really kind of fascinating when it comes to these conversations uh, about reparations. Um, I've been looking at this a little bit. It's, um, it's weird. I mean, it's very, very weird that these discussions are going on. San Francisco has a reparations committee that has actually proposed paying each black longtime resident $5 million each, each, and granting, furthermore, total debt forgiveness due to the de- decades of systemic, uh, systematic repression. Now, where in the world do they get this idea? Where do they get this idea? You know, there was no genocide of black people in this country. The workers were valuable. So you didn't kill them. Where was the genocide? It was in Africa, where black tribes killed black tribes. The genocide was in Africa. There's no genocide in America. But yet these words have become rather meaningless because they don't describe accurately the actual experiences. And now we've got something called the San Francisco African-American. Why do we need the adjective in front of the noun American? And by the way, if you really want to be picky, American doesn't describe the United States of America. America is North America, which includes Canada. Central America, which includes Mexico, Ecuador, etc. And South America. So the sloppy use of language is dangerous. And now we're throwing around something called the San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee. And it has an actual audience. California was never a slave state. But the argument is that black people in San Francisco have been um, the subject of prejudice. So there's this draft plan that's going on there that includes a long list of financial recommendations for black San Francisco residents, including that one-time lump sum payment of $5 million to each eligible individual. And by the way, you only have to be 18 to apply. Now, how in the world can you accumulate In your first 18 years of life, I don't care where you are, $5 million worth of reparation. It it, it is really mind-boggling. 
This plan also calls, I'm reading this out of the San Francisco papers, this plan also calls on the city to supplement lower income recipients' income to reflect the area median income of about 97000 Let me tell you something, I think. I've just been thinking about this. What's the key? I just asked the question. What's the key? The Gainesville Department of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion from doing its investigations into the so-called transgressions and coming back with a recommendation for reparations paid by the Alachua County taxpayer. What's to keep them from doing it? They want to be like California and Portland and all that already. Pete Green underhand and all that crowd. When they want to get an innovative idea, they haul bottom out to uh, Oregon and do what they're doing. I just wonder, what's to keep that from happening? And if it's true what our guest caller said, that the communist commissioner, Seiko, and Harvey Ward, who's up to his ears at moveon.org, wants to keep them from promoting it. It's wild. I mean, it's wild stuff. Check on my time here. You know, we got the Super Bowl coming up. I just want to kind of conclude with a couple of comments on it. Get ready. Because of gambling. This is going to be the biggest gambling gig in recent memory coming up here. 50 million bettors are expected to wager $16 billion on this Super Bowl. The legalization of sports betting has swept the nation. Gambling ads are on every sports broadcast now. You're going to see the whole thing out in the open. I always have to wonder about this because old Pete Rose was denied entrance into the Hall of Fame for gambling. And this is really a worldwide phenomenon now. It's a huge part of the UK and European sporting culture. Betting shops are all over England. Spain has a state-sponsored pool. Betting companies sponsor team jerseys. And odds are always being run on the broadcasts. This Super Bowl will be the first Super Bowl in decades 
that features ads from beer companies other than Anheuser-Busch. And these beer ads are being presented to a, an audience, which 6% of the adults in the U.S. are alcoholics, maybe it's 15 million, and all the drunk driving and other related deaths. It's an amazing situation, just an amazing situation that you're going to be watching. The other thing you're going to see, I am told by these things I've been reading, this comes out of the um, some of the discussion that you can find on them. There's going to be a fan duel, and God knows they always have these things. Rob Gronkowski, I'm probably going to have to be a sucker and watch this, because I do like Rob Gronkowski, try to make a field goal live during an ad in the third quarter. But here's the thing. If he, Rob Gronkowski makes the field goal, anyone who places a Super Bowl bet of $5 or more on this event will win a share of $10 million in free bets. Huh? 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 Come on now. You cannot be serious, can you? You cannot be serious. One last thing. New York and Florida. As recently as 2013, according to the uh, analysis here in the journal, these two states had similar populations. But now Florida has 2.6 million people more than New York. Florida state budget is only half the size of New York's. If the Florida politicians want to spend more money, the only way they can get it is by growing the state's economy. No tax burden on income. Isn't that interesting? Florida. You see, you see, hey, by the way, there's more money, I think, I haven't checked this to be sure, devoted in Alonzo County to parks than there are to roads in the coming, coming budget. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Word Scott Files. We've got about 9.58, 9.59 now, so I'm going to quit right on time. Thanks for production. Uh, we'll be back Monday with Coach Hogg's Locker Room. Um, thanks for our sponsors and our donors and have a great weekend. Warthog Command Center out.